From creation to the flood to the patriarchs to Egypt, join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through Genesis, the backstory to the beginning. So, um, I think we'll just go, oh, uh, so I talked last yesterday, we've been in the book of Genesis chapter 14, and we looked at Melchizedek. And I said we were not going to look at Melchizedek again, and that is very true. We're not going to look at Melchizedek again. But um, it does bring up an interesting uh, point, this whole idea of the priesthood. If you remember where we are, um, Abraham comes back from rescuing his nephew Lot from the four kings. Uh, He takes 318 of his men. He goes and rescues Lot. He comes back and this guy named Melchizedek comes and um, uh, blesses Abram and Abram gives him a tenth of his possessions. And uh, so that's that's Abram and Melchizedek. But the interesting thing about Melchizedek is there's no priestly class yet. Um, the priestly class actually doesn't happen until uh, after they reach the promised land. Uh, And so if if that's the case, that the priestly class happens after they reach the promised land, then that means that there is the ability to have a connection with God before there's a priestly class. And I find that fascinating because uh, we think that priests are absolutely necessary uh, to forgive sins, um, you know, the, the, in the Old Testament, the only way that your sins were forgiven is through the priestly class. Uh, and yet, uh, before, before the priests came along, Abram had a relationship with the creator of the universe. And um, so I guess the idea of a priest is not as fixed in time uh, as we would like to believe. And if you're Protestant, we believe that the priesthood is actually all believers. But I just want to, I just, I know I said, you know, we're going to be done with Melchizedek, but I didn't say we're going to be done with priests. So I just want to basically spend a little bit of time this morning to talk about priests. Because uh, in the early church, we're talking about from the time of the ascension of Jesus, and then there's Pentecost, And then at Pentecost, the church is like on fire and they're spreading throughout the the Middle East. From that point on, for the the next hundred years ago, the church definitely doesn't have priests. Uh, As a matter of fact, they don't have a whole lot. They do have, um, there's no church buildings. Uh, there's no necessarily, other than the apostles, there's not like necessarily a class of people um, that are called priests. Uh, the early followers of Jesus, they called themselves house fellows, or they were called the oikoioi, which is the plural of oik, uh, you know, the dwellers of the house. These are people who live in houses. So the early church basically was. Um, a collection of Christians that gathered together, you know, daily, maybe other every other day or whatever. They met in people's home. Uh, they they learned the teaching of Jesus. Well, we have in Acts two forty two, they gathered they gathered together for the apostles' teaching, for breaking of bread, fellowship, and prayer. Um, 
and all those things they gathered together to do, uh, but it wasn't necessarily at a church building, and they certainly didn't have a priest at that point. Uh, and they were they were doing the things that you know that Christ told them to do. Um, the outsiders who were looking in at the Christians, they called them the followers, the learners, the disciples, or the followers of the way. The early followers were called, you know, the path of Jesus was called the way. If you look, look at the Didache, it's called the way of life or the way of death, but it's the way. It, you know, it's not necessarily an organization or institution as much as it is people gathering together to kind of learn to be like Jesus, right? I mean, that's that's what the early church was. Um, Paul, when he starts writing, he calls them my brothers and my sisters, the house fellows, the called, the holy ones, the ones in Christ, the body of Christ. Now, the people who were in the body of Christ, they, they are the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the miracle workers, those who speak in tongues, healers, help providers, deacons, representatives, almsgivers, representatives, shepherds, evangelists, elders, presbyterians, presbyters, overseers. These are all of the, I have a list here that I'm reading off of. Actually, you can take a look at it. It's the last point. The body of Christ includes apostles, prophet, teacher, miracle worker, speakers of tongues, healers, help providers, deacons, representatives, almsgivers, representatives. Oh, I have that in there twice. Um, shepherds, evangelists, elders, presbyters, and overseers. These are the titles that they start to give each other in the writings of the, of the New Testament. But what is fascinating um, is uh, in the early church, none of these people were elevated above anybody else. They were all kind of... Um, they each looked at each other as having an equal role in the body of Christ. Maybe not they did the same thing, but there was no one person over another person. As a matter of fact, when Jesus is in Capernaum in Mark 9, uh, his disciples are talking about who will be first in the kingdom of God. And Jesus says nobody will be first in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Don't set yourself up against anybody else. Uh, he even told a, a story about, or he said, when you go to a wedding, this is in Luke 14, he says, you go into a wedding, uh, even if you should take the place of honor, don't take the place of honor. Sit somewhere other than the place of honor. If the one who's you know putting on the feast wants to bring you to the place of honor, then that's perfectly acceptable. He can do that. But don't just naturally assume that you are honored in that location. If you are going to a wedding, don't just naturally assume that you have the place of honor. The person who's there may have already laid out who all the places of honor are. So, you know, take a, take a seat. If he brings you into the place of honor, then you're more than welcome to sit at the place of honor. And Jesus was really talking about the Pharisees and Sadducees. In Matthew 23, Jesus says that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, everything they do is just to impress other people and to take the place of honor. And Jesus did not like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. <coughs> uh, he railed against them. He spoke against them. They, as he saw, were the problem. Uh, and so he said, um, he turned that around. He said the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they think they should have the place of honor 
don't take the place of honor. We're all the same. We're all equal. You know, and that shows up so many different places, like even the United States Constitution, all men are created equal. Uh, we're all equal in the, in the face of God. That is definitely a Christian thing. Um, you go to other cultures. I'm thinking of the Indian caste system. Uh, in the Indian caste system, you have the untouchables, you know, and, and you have it all the way up. And in Africa, you had different systems, you know. Uh, but in Christianity, all of us are equal. We're all um, equal in the eyes and the sight of God. And that comes from Jesus. Here's the interesting thing. Nowhere in the New Testament, anywhere, is any one particular piece person called a priest. Um, a priest was not necessary. If, if, you needed a, if you needed a baptism, it didn't have to be done by a priest. Uh, any of the holy functions, you know, forgiveness of sins, all that stuff, none of that stuff, according to the New Testament, requires a priest. Um, and I, I find that fascinating. You, so the whole priestly class of people that came into the church uh, over time and culminated at the Reformation with Luther, all of those priests, um, now we did have priests in the Old Testament, there's no question about it, but the curtain temple was torn in two and there was no, uh, that was an indication that we are, a sacrifice in the temple was not necessary anymore. So you don't need a priest anymore. The priest, the whole purpose of the priest was to be the mediator between God and man. So you go to the temple, uh, you would, you know, you buy a pigeon or a dove or whatever, and the priest would sacrifice it. The priest would go into the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. The priest was the one who interceded between man and God. But when Jesus came, he said, I am the perfect high priest. I am the mediator. I am the prophet, the priest, and the king. I'm the mediator. You don't need anybody else. It's just me. I mean, that's as clear as possible that the New Testament can make it, uh, and as, as clear as Jesus can be. Um, pagans who would look outside at Christianity said it's not a religion because they don't have temples. They don't have altars, they don't have priests, they don't have designated places where they do certain things. It's a, it's a loosey-goosey movement um, that you can't even get a handle on. It's, you know, they're all just trying to be like Jesus, uh, and they're all following this thing called the way. And, and uh, so they never, they never saw there being priests either. So um, that was the early church. So if you look at the early church, there's, there's no question uh, and as I've researched it, there was no priests uh, up until maybe two or three or four generations after Jesus. Um, and I think it's because, well, I mean, you could ask yourself the question, is it bad to have a priest? Um, that, that is a very, very good question. And, and to answer that question, we have to understand that there's actually two overlapping entities in the church. The first is what I would call the church. It is basically those who've been baptized and brought into the faith, those who've made a statement of faith. Jesus says, make disciples by baptizing and teaching to observe all that I've commanded you. So the church is supposed to go out and we're supposed to baptize people. We're supposed to teach them all that, you know, it's teaching, it's learning. It's, it's trying to be 
like Jesus. And that can be done without a church building. It can be done without a priest. Um, it can be done without a lot of structure. All you need is one Christian talking to another Christian to saying, this is what it means. This is what I've learned about Christianity. This is what I've learned about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Uh, parents do this to their children. Uh, you know, we do it on Sunday morning, but it doesn't have to have a priest to do that. As a matter of fact, it doesn't even have to have a whole lot of organization to do that. But there's this other organization. Now, this is different. It overlaps, uh, highly overlaps. And this is called your local congregation or your local church. And this is when a community of people have come together and they've said, we are going to pool our resources so that we are better at making disciples uh, than if we are separately. That's called the local congregation or the local church. And when the early church started to meet, uh, you know, they met in the temple courts, they broke bread together, they, they listened to apostles teaching, they had fellowship, prayer, breaking the bread, um, all that stuff. At some point, it became too difficult to do everything that they felt God was calling to do. They were also feeding the widows and the orphans. They were collecting resources. They were feeding the widows and the orphans. Uh, you know, people would lay their possessions down at the apostles' feet, uh, and then the apostles would distribute that to where they saw there was need. That was the very beginning of the organization that we're beginning to see is called church. As they came together to do that, it became too much for them, for too much for just loosey-goosiness. And so the disciples, rightly so, started to create an organization. The organization they started to create was the church. And the whole purpose of the church was so that they could distribute the food, uh, they could figure out how, you know, how the best way is to, to, to propagate this way forward. Uh, and, that's, and that's called the early church. And that organization still didn't have any priests. Uh, it wasn't until maybe 100 or 200 years after the time of Christ where that organization started to create structures that started to look like the Old Testament. Um, so is it wrong to have a priest? I don't think so. Um, if priests are helpful to move towards the mission of the church, which is to make loving disciples, if a group of people come together and they say, you know, we're, we're here for the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, prayer, uh, and serving the poor, serving the widows, and a priest is helpful in that, you know, if you want to give somebody the designation of priest, then that's fine. Um, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily found in the New Testament, and that's why Luther says we don't want priests anymore. Uh, there's a priesthood of all believers for all priests, but I, I don't know if a church, well, for 1,400, 1,500 years, right, the church had priests, um, so I don't think it's necessarily wrong. I think the danger is when you believe that a priest is necessary, that priests elevate themselves to say we are still the, the mediator between God and man. It's not, it's not you and Jesus, it's, it's you then to me and then to Jesus. And that, I, as near as I can tell by reading the New Testament, that was never ever Jesus' plan. Uh, and so the danger is, is that priests or anybody who serves in the, ch in the church becomes a Pharisee, um, becomes like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. In our church, uh, I am not 
a priest. I hold the role of pastor that's been given be given by the church, you know, the, our local congregation to me. You call me pastor. You've called me uh, into the office of public ministry. That is my calling. Basically, it's when a local congregation says, you know, we need somebody to be in charge. We need somebody to administer the organization and to be kind of at the top right there. And so you called me to be the pastor and lots of congregations, they only have one person. So it's the, it's the pastor. And that person um, is basically, you know, executing all the organizational structure of the church. Uh, and I hold the role of office of public ministry, but I am not, you need to listen to this. I am not better than any other Christian. I'm redeemed just like you are. I'm equal in the eyes of God, just like you are. I am not, you should not think of me as being more holy than you are. The only thing that makes us holy is Jesus Christ and his forgiveness of sins and, you know, in being in the kingdom. That makes us holy. It doesn't, it's not like I have some special holiness in my body over you. I am not smarter than you. As a matter of fact, there are so many of you that are so smarter than I am. I have to really, really work hard to understand a concept. And I think, uh, you know, some of you can read something, you know, a really big technical thing uh, and read it instantly, you know, instantly understand it. I have to sit there and read it once, twice, three times, four times. I have to underline. I have to think about it. I have to process it. In my particular personality, I love that, actually. I love taking a document and understanding it to a very, very deep level. That's something I really, really enjoy, but it doesn't come naturally to me. It, it's very difficult for me. Uh, and I don't have a better connection to the kingdom or to God. Um, it's a priesthood of all believers. I just have um, the same connection that all Christians have with God, is that he loves me, he cares for me, I'm in the kingdom, his Holy Spirit is living inside me um, and as he is living inside of you also. Uh, and so um, it's interesting that when Luther came along and looked at the world, he said, you know, as we move forward, we can't just uh, make tradition the everything. We've got to go back to scripture and make scripture uh, sola scriptura. Is If it's found in scripture, let's do it. If it's not found in scripture, then we are not going to do it. You know, the whole idea of the role of priesthood came about in the church after the early church, a couple different generations, uh, but it's not in scripture. And Luther said, I don't think we need the priesthood anymore. We need a priesthood of all believers. Now, it doesn't mean the priesthood's bad. As a matter of fact, a lot of Lutheran churches, the pastor, um, you know, presents himself as a priest uh, you know, he does priestly type functions, but he's not called a priest. He's called the office of public ministry. And his ordination of that comes from the people that he's leading and, you know, from our church body also. Um, but I'm not, I'm not a priest. I don't want to be a priest. I don't want to be uh, that position. Um, I want you all to be priests. I want you all to feel like you have a connection to God that is equal to, to my connection with God. I'd love for everybody in our congregation to feel so loved and overwhelmed by God's love that they feel that they don't need a priest. Um, it's not bad if you if you have some friends, you know, they belong to a church where there is a priest, that, that's okay. It's not bad. Um, it is 
you know, God left a lot of this up to the organization called church. He left it up to us to organize and to do things however best meets the mission. And the mission is to, you know, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. That is the mission of the church. If priests get us to that mission, great. If priests are a hindrance to that mission, then we should stop. You know, it's interesting. As you go, if you go into a culture, let's say you were going to an African culture and they had priests, you know, the priest was the mediator between God and man. You might very well create um, a position that looks very much like a priest because that's what people expect. They expect to have that mediator, but then you have to teach them over time that I'm not any better. You know, I have no special connection with God. Uh, God loves me the same as you. And you definitely don't want to elevate that person to where your salvation is necessary on that person. If you were to land on a desert island, you know, if this is uh, FedEx, what's that movie with Tom Hanks, uh, Stranded or whatever? Uh, I can't remember it. But he lands on, a, on an island. He swims to it. He's a FedEx pilot. Um, you could still have a connection with God. He would still, he could, you could still ask for forgiveness of sins and he would forgive your sins. Now, I suppose you, if your denomination says we need a priest, then you might self-ordain yourself as a priest. But I don't know if you can actually do that, which means you'd be, you, were, you were not connected. So any sin that you had committed uh, between your last confession and absolution, you know, that would be, that would be uh, something you'd have to have penance for uh, in heaven. Um, for all those sins, because you never priest forgiving your sins, but in the Protestant faith, you land on a desert island, uh, you can you can ask for forgiveness, and God will give you forgiveness. Um, so that is um, that is the priestly class. It's what what we are all about. You know, when I say we, I mean the church. Um, and as we left, as we went into Melchizedek, I just wanted to basically. Uh, spend a little time on the whole idea of a priest because uh, it's not bad necessarily. It's not necessary. We have a direct connection to the Savior, which is awesome. And uh, your connection isn't through me. Um, your connection is through the Word of God, through the Holy Spirit, directly to God. Um, is, a, is a priest wrong? Not, not necessarily. You go into a foreign culture. You know, the other thing is, is that millennials... Um, they actually are anti-priest, I think, because I've looked at their culture. They don't like authority. Um, and so they're very, part of this may be, you know, the abuse that those church leaders have taken advantage of their congregation. Um, and I th so they've, they've grown up with that, and so they don't like authority. And so we're going through a time right now where authority is questioned and every, you know, they're tearing down structures, they're tearing down authority, but it will happen probably in my lifetime, probably in the next 10 or 15 years, where we'll understand that if you don't have authority, you have nothing. <laughs> and so there'll probably be a move back towards authority. Uh, and so me, you know, being a leader of a church, people will probably give me more authority than, you know, people in the culture will probably give me a more authority than I have right now. In the culture today in the United States, being a pastor of a Protestant church means absolutely nothing. They don't want to know what my position role is as a pastor. Uh, 
older people do, right? They do, but younger kids, um, you know, unless they've been raised in that culture, they don't. They just are very suspect of that culture, and so I have to earn the respect. I have to earn my sea legs, whatever, by doing different things in the culture. It's not just I don't walk into the culture and say, "Hey, I'm a pastor. You should listen to me." It doesn't happen that way anymore. Um, so if you're a priest and you go into the culture, unless you're in the you know a church that has priests, you go into the culture. You're very suspect in that culture. They probably look at you as you know, a sexual pervert, you know, in some instances. Um, so I, um, but that, all that changes over time. So anyway, I, uh, I apologize. We're still in, I guess we're going to go to math, uh, Matthew. We'll go to Genesis 15 tomorrow uh, because we're going to get into that covenant with Abraham and God, which is going to be awesome. You're going to love that. But I just didn't want to leave this Melchizedek thing without talking about the priesthood. Uh, I thought it was really interesting, you know, the distinction between those that have priests and our church, which don't. So thanks for joining me today. Uh, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Gracious God, um, none of us are any better than anyone else. We are all equal in your eyes. And God, that means that uh, you love us all the same. And only you can do that. But we're grateful that you do. Uh, be with us for the rest of the day and bring us back again safely tomorrow. In Jesus' name, our high priest, amen.